This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Fort Coquitlam and online at metromotors.com. What a wild uh, matchup you would have loved to see Brock Besser partake in, not only because he has the history of playing so well against the Wild, but hey, it's his hometown team, a little bit more feeling, and also because he's the flow. He's Brock Besser. He brings people out of their seats. And sadly, Canucks fans will be robbed of that for the rest of the year. Fortunately, the injury was not more severe. I mean, that was just gut-wrenching no matter what player that is. You don't like to see anybody go into the bench and then into the door like that. It just it just made me cringe. It made everything tighten up. And then you realize it's Brock and you feel even worse. And that was... One of the moments this season where everybody in the building came together with the same thought and the same feeling. And so thank goodness for Brock. It's nothing uh, too major, easy for us to say. We didn't go through it, but uh, is able to make a recovery. And we know, based on his his character, he will be stronger uh, than ever, we would think, uh, coming back for next season. But that brings us to a point to kick off our number two, JD. We're talking about life without Brock and how that affects the fan base, what we're seeing in the rink. We know the Vancouver Canucks have found a gem in Brock Besser. We know that he will be a marketing darling, even though he's unlikely to win the Calder this year. It has been a fantastic race to watch. Heck, when's the last time a Vancouver Canuck was making a push to be mentioned in the same breath as Pavel Bure? And Brock Besser's doing it. So this is an interesting interesting tell now. These The final couple weeks of play here without Brock Besser, what things are going to be like for this fan base and how prevalent they're going to be representing themselves in the rink. Well, I mean, we can already see the after effects of life after Brock Besser, and we saw it against the Arizona Coyotes the other night. It, it was not a good scene, and, and you can take that off the ice. The tickets were not uh, not flying off the shelf. Uh, you can take that on the ice. The Canucks mustered 17 shots, and that's just brutal. We're talking about that happening against the 31st place team in the league. Uh, and, and you know what? Travis Green is saying that the, the Arizona Coyotes, they get a lot of shots on net. Eh, they're still in the bottom third of the league in terms of shot control. So I'm not sure how much that passes the sniff test. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm sure he's just looking out for his guys, sticking up for his team. But, you know, that's just a, a bleak performance. And there's nothing to save it without Brock there, which is kind of a nice segue into a, a report to come out of this week. And that was that the Canucks are looking to extend Brock Besser this offseason after his first rookie season, his first full season, rather, one in which he still leads the Canucks in scoring. I mean, he's only missed one game since the injury, so I guess we wouldn't expect to see too much uh, of a shift there. With 55 points in 62 games, 29 of them being goals, shooting 16.2%. 23 of those points coming on the power play. Where do you stand on that? Because... There are red flags everywhere here. This is there's there's no reason for me for the Canucks to go into this summer thinking that they have to lock up Brock Besser now. Uh, maybe PR, maybe something that sells the fans, maybe something that locks up the thing that people are so attached to, the one bright spot to come out of this season. But beyond that, I can only think of bad reasons to do this and and i'm, I'm gonna let you have your piece i'm gonna look up my my stats i'm gonna do my homework but uh what, what are your thoughts on that report i mean do you do you think there's any viability to it and where do you stand 
Well, I understand the perspective because as you just alluded to, and that was the the rationale behind starting the segment that way, pointing out the fact that, yeah, life is rougher without Brock Besser in the Canucks lineup. I mean, they have his rights until the end of 2018-19. So it's another season. He's a restricted free agent. They do have time to make this decision. It's been pointed out that the Canucks perhaps have been better when they do take the time and let things season a little bit before giving contract extensions out. Although, if it's one less player they have to deal with, if it's imminent anyway, if you know that you have a number in mind with Brock Besser and you can reach that, is it in your best interest as a team to get an extension done right now? Because you're pointing out the fact that, okay, well, maybe this pace doesn't sustain itself. If it does, what kind of a home run is he going to hit in another year? And you already have a pile of contracts that you have to deal with coming up this season. I mean, listen in. We can get into this, too. The restricted free agents this year that are due a contract at the end of the year. Berchi, Vertanen, Grandland, Boucher, Stetcher, Pouliot. I'll say again. The RFAs. Berchi, Vertanen, Grandland, Boucher, Stetcher, Pouliot. The UFAs make a decision on the Twins. Or, pardon me, they'll make a decision on you. Yep. For Daniel Henrik Sedin, Archibald has become an intriguing card in this deck all of a sudden as the unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Then you have Jokinen and Dowd, who probably are at the, the very bottom of the to-do list for the Vancouver Canucks. That's a whole ton of players you have to make a decision on. And so that, that bodes to both sides of the argument. Are you focused on maybe dealing with the more immediate of that hand group, that handful of players and that grouping of players, or can this be a slam dunk for the Vancouver Canucks? Can you find a guy like Brock Besser at a point in his career where, yeah, you're going to have to pay him, and he's going to get term as well, and why wouldn't you want both of those? But maybe, just maybe, you're expecting that he is going to be right back where he was again last year, and you can get him perhaps at a reduced rate, I'll play that side of the fence just to fuel the fire on extension talks, but I know you're going to come at me here with uh, the other side of it. Uh, There's no benefit to signing Brock Besser this offseason, and and I just can't state that clearly enough. If you want to look at players in the NHL, how many goals they produced according to their expectation of the goals they should produce, that's looking at shot volume, where the shots are coming from, the strength of the shots, uh, all these different factors. Nobody in the NHL has exceeded their expected production more than Brock Besser. According to the expected goal metrics, you're looking at somebody who should have a lot closer to eh, maybe 15 goals. He's, he's at 29, and he's shooting about 16.2%. That is just... Listen, he's going to shoot above average. He's going to be somebody who moves the needle. Can we confidently say that somebody with 71 games under his belt is that player? Somebody with 71 games under their belt who has been dogged by injuries for the last two, three seasons. Somebody who has 71 games under his belt who the Canucks are going to hold the rights for next summer. And he hasn't even proven that he can move the needle in terms of directing shots at five on five yet. And this isn't me trying to so knock- dangle the carrot and make him play into it is what you're saying. Hey, well, make him prove it. We've got 71 games under the belt here. I mean, like, what are we investing in? Do we have a large enough sample that we can say, hey, this is somebody worth 
breaking the bank for because you're not going to get a discount. He just led the Canucks in points as a 21-year-old. So it's not like they're saving money. That ship has sailed. And they're absorbing all of the risk. And it's not like he's going to have arbitration next year. He's not going to have, uh, what's it called? He's not going to have the ability to sign an offer sheet next year. So I just, I don't see the rush. And you look at all the times the Canucks have made bets on players who they expect to grow. And I'm not putting Brock Besser in this class because I tend to lean with them on this one where I think Brock Besser is going to continue to grow. He's only got his best hockey ahead of him. He's 21 years old. Forwards usually peak at 24 to 25. Clearly, there's room there. But you look at their history. Lucas Spiza, he was going to be a top four defenseman, and they paid accordingly. Didn't work out. Brandon Sutter, he was going to be a second-line center, and they paid him accordingly. Perhaps they didn't even need to. They signed him less than a week after trading for him. Hasn't panned out. Erica Branson, same thing. The list of the Canucks bets in the last four years, you want to stack them up, the ones that have worked out and the ones that haven't, you're looking at a laundry list on one side, and that's the cons. And on the pros, you can count them on one hand with fingers to spare. Well, big decisions coming up with the RFAs this year. And we can get into that as we go on this segment. Nation Network Radio, John Abbott, J.D. Burke with you. We have some reaction coming in over the, the phone lines, so we'll throw back out there the number to reach us at and the ways you can reach us tonight up until 9 o'clock. one 866 1040 Email live at tsn1040.ca. Text us at 104040. The, the three ways to get a hold of us, the easiest. And on the phone lines is Gary. Go ahead, Gary, our Nation Network Radio. Yes, uh, good evening, gentlemen. Um... I was just wondering about a fellow by the name of Zach McEwen. He's 6'5", 218, 220. Uh, he plays for the Utica Comets. Now, my question is this. Is I, I'm, I don't know where I heard it, but I heard it from somewhere that they only have so many call-ups uh, left. What is that all about, and can you comment on the uh, fellow I'm talking about? Thank you, Phil. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll listen for your comments. Thank you. Appreciate that, Gary. So Thank you calling. very much. Yeah, he's leading, I believe. I'm going to double-check this, but I believe now with the call-ups, he's leading the Comets in scoring. Yes, he is. Nine goals, 21 assists, 30 points. That's the same number Goldobin had. Now, Goldobin played 28 games. McCoon's been there for 54, but he is, as of today, the Comets' leading scorer. And, J.D., yeah. uh, you can expand on that? Well, it's funny. I was actually talking to to Trent Cole and Alexis Dau for an article I did on The Athletic Vancouver, and one of the things I brought up was Zach McEwen as a comparable to Alexis Dau because they have roughly comparable scoring numbers, and this isn't for me to bring, uh, to, to throw shade on Zach McEwen, not by any stretch of the imagination. It was actually to show quite the opposite, that the Canucks are building a pretty good, solid pool of depth in Utica, so much so that you're not noticing the likes of a Dau or even sometimes a McEwen. Now, in terms of the call-up rule, the Canucks have a rule where they can use four call-ups after the trade deadline to the end of the season. They've used one on Reed Boucher, which leaves them with three. I don't know if they need to call up a Zach McEwen, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to cast aspersions on the, the idea of Zach McEwen, the NHLer. I just don't know if I see the benefit. He's a first-year pro. He's a late bloomer by all accounts. Wasn't even a point-per-game player in the QMJHL until last season. Somebody who statistically didn't show as having the best odds of panning out, period. And you know what? He's exceeding expectations by every imaginable way we can gauge that. I'm going to let him keep rolling. And I look at this Utica Comets team. You know what? They weren't sellers at the deadline. The Canucks forced them to be. They traded 
Philip Holm. That was their best defenseman. They traded Thomas Vanek. Now you got Goldobin, you got Boucher up. That team has taken a lot of hits. And we talk about creating a winning environment, having a team that can really show the kids how to play the right way. A team that's got a chance at the Calder. I mean, I I look at that Marley's team, and they're a superpower in the AHL. But I'm not going to say that the Comets can't go on a run. We've seen that recently. I'm going to leave Zach McEwen in a good situation and circle back to that next year. That's where I stand on this one. Well, I like your train of thought there. Utica Comets, by the way, seventh in the conference. So they're in a playoff spot in the American Hockey League as we speak today. And they have a losing streak. They have support coming. Uh, Nikolai Goldobin and Tyler Mott, I believe, were papered. Am I correct on that? You are correct. Those two players are eligible to join the Comets when their playoffs begin and the Canucks season finishes, assuming that nothing goes terribly wrong between then and now for Utica, who also get Reed Boucher back. Yep. Uh, So those are some of the names that will be available for the Utica Comets, and I would love to see the Comets not only get into the playoffs, but make a bit of a push because the player I'm most interested in is a goaltender. Yeah. In Thatcher Demko. I'd like to see him carry the load, be in some of those pressure situations, and win for his hockey team because you expect him to do that. He's done that in the season and a half that he has basically been the starting goaltender down in Utica. Other news on the day, and it ties into what we're talking about here, the future of the Vancouver Canucks as they go forward. News of the week as well. Cole Lind signing an entry-level contract. Uh, great That's to right. see him fully on board. And what a year he's had with the Kelowna Rockets, who uh, seem to be there year after year after year. One of the, the factories in the Western Hockey League in the dub uh, as contenders year after year, which is difficult to do in junior hockey. And Cole Lind is a big part of that this time around. Uh, Ashton Sautner to continue with the pipeline and... The depth on the defense for the Vancouver Canucks as it applies to the Utica Comets, given a, a contract extension on a two-way deal. And Elias Patterson. What an accomplishment for the first-round pick out of the Vancouver Canucks. 55 points. You mentioned this earlier in our broadcast. Gives him a new record for players under 20 in the history of the SHL. And he's still going. So he surpasses the 54-point mark on the back of two goals and two assists on on uh, today's outing. 42-year-old record. That's and a record shatters that and continues to turn heads. And there's another player that the Canucks might just have to find room for next year. That would be a great problem to have. Do you expect that his skill translates, J.D.? Are you anticipating he'll be with the big club next year? Oh, absolutely. I've spoken to some people who have have even gone so far to suggest that he could have been playing with this team this year. And and I know a lot of people were giving Thomas Gradine a bit of a sideways glance when he said as much. I I think he went on the record saying that he thought Elias Pettersson could play in the NHL this year. He's not the only scout I've spoken to that holds that opinion. So I think he's there. I think he has the skills that translate. The one thing that I think fans are going to have to get used used to is that if Elias Pettersson is going to be a center, and this is going to be a topic of conversation because the Canucks, when they drafted him, I was there in Chicago. Jim he's played ben, more on the wing, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's almost, almost exclusively, exclusively a on the wing. And even when you look at the World Junior Hockey Championships, he was playing on a wing. So I think that people are going to have to get used to the notion that this is going to be more of a work in progress. And it's going to be an interesting storyline because Jim Benning was adamant that he is a center. 
adamant that he is a playmaking center. I'm not so sure. I mean, uh, he's only played like a handful of games at center in the last two seasons. That's a lot of valuable well, development have, time. Let's just go down the, the, the runs here. You have Vohorvat, you have Brandon Sutter, and you likely have Henrik Sedin. Yep. So is Pedersen going to be ushered in as a new look fourth line? Uh, maybe. The way maybe the league is going, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think he'll just play on the wing. I think he might even play on uh, Henrik Sedin's wing. Why it's, not? It's it's interesting to note, though, a couple of things. That Canucks, when they talk about those players in Europe, they speak about them as coming over to North America, committing to getting them to North America next year. Yeah. Utica is in North America. They have not gone as far as to guarantee spots on the National Hockey League lineup. And when we mention the contracts up for grabs, Berchi, Vertanen, Granlin, Boucher, Stetcher, Pouliot, decisions need to be made on all of those players. Some, you could argue, work in favor of the Vancouver Canucks because of seasons that have not lived up to getting a big extension. And so maybe just maybe you get a lot of players under contracts that are reasonable for the Vancouver Canucks, perhaps. But it also could lead to, okay, we need spots in the lineup. Yeah, Maybe one or more of these players are going to be moved before they get to next year. Is there a name that jumps off the list for you? When you I think, think they of, have to move to Sven Berchi. You think Berchi? Really? You think Berchi? Yeah, I mean, look at how old he is. He's not a spring chicken. He gets lumped in with the kids. He's, what, 25, 26 years old? And I look at his production, a lot of it, he's, he's 25, going to be 26 next season. Second season, he's finishing an injury. Second season in a row. And, and you look at his production, a lot of it is built on high percentages, things that aren't repeatable. He's not somebody who gets a lot of pucks on net. He's not somebody who helps his team defensively, not as much as he used to. And he's going to command a contract that, in my mind, is going to be right in the $4 million range. Because you know what? They're going to be eating up UFA years. And he wields arbitration. He does. This is a situation where I can't see the Canucks winning. Because I look at this team and I want to share the optimism of the fan that says they're two years out. They're three years out. They're not. They're not. They're three to four years out. That's, that's what I see. And do you know what Sven Berchi's going to be then? He's going to be 29 years old. He's going to be 29 years old making four plus million dollars. And gap players, gap players have been added. What I mean by that is players to bridge the gap. Look no further than last year's offseason. Sam Gagne is one of those guys. He's not here to be a lifetime Canuck. He, he had the good fortune of getting a three-year contract. When you go back and year by year, he was granted just those one-year deals. Well, big season in Columbus turns into a three-year deal. That's a gap player. That is a guy that Very bridges the gap deal. for the Vancouver Canucks, though. So if you're considering Berchi to be a gap player, if that's where he has fallen for you, then there are players that are already locked up in that role. And how many gap players do you need? They talk about biding over the next core. You can't fill a roster with these players. Look at the last trade deadline. Of the teams in the bottom eight of the league, the Canucks made the fewest moves. How many guys, how many players can you usher in all at once though, as first year NHLers? It doesn't have to be them. You can go into free agency. Look at what Toronto did. They're signing every reclamation project they can find. Sean Mathias, sure, one-year deal. Let's turn him into a fourth-round pick in six months. I like the way Reed Boucher's playing lately. Whether that's enough to bring him back on a two-way deal again, hey, keep him in the system. I don't know if Reed Boucher wants to entertain that thought, but yeah, I'd give him a two-way deal. Troy Stetcher, obviously, in my opinion, there's 
There's no decision needed on that. Derek Pouliot could be interesting. We know Jim Benning thinks a lot of him. So does Travis Green. So the outliers, and Jake Vertanen, I don't think is going anywhere. The, fee, uh, the nope. speed fits today's game, and you expect him to maybe, maybe just break out. So the question marks for me are Granlin and Berchi when it comes down to who will be re-signed next year out of the group of RFAs. We'll keep it going with that discussion, all of this tied into the future of the Canucks. How about the future of the flow and his hair on the T-shirt? Part of... The effort with Jason Botchford that got the flow nickname going. We'll speak to our man, Cam Davey, when we come back. Nation Network Radio, hour number two, powered by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill on TSN 1040. Listening to Nation Network Radio on TSN 1040. Final segment, hour two. Then it's Giants this week. Brooke Ward hosting. On TSN 1040, it's Nation Network Radio, John Abbott, J.D. Burke, powered by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill. Find them at sharkclub.com or in Vancouver at the corner of Georgia and Beattie. J.D. and I have enjoyed, much enjoyed, a couple of pints in there, and uh, we'll be back. So if you run into us, make sure you eat, drink, talk a little trash. That's a fun slogan, and we would certainly like you to live up to that. J.D.'s a little bit more analytics, part of this broadcast do i'm a little bit more eye test a little bit more quote-unquote old old school but i like the blend and i like uh, being brought up to speed on some things by talking to you jd and you had a really unique opportunity to sit in on a analytics conference here in the city this week uh, tell us a little bit more about that that's right uh canucks army in concert with hockey-graphs.com the dash is important in their url and we also had the canucks on board uh john wall and even president trevor linden stepping in to say hello we held the third annual vancouver hockey analytics conference uh several teams were in attendance there were presentations for two solid days i was only able to attend the first day of course because of my radio hosting duties and and I got to say, there's some really interesting leaps forward in the field of hockey analytics. It feels like every year we're either disproving something we thought we knew or proving something entirely new. I mean, it's just there are so many different ways to view the game. And I think a lot of people would be turned off by the idea of an analytics conference, just a bunch of numbers on a page. And you'd be surprised. Some of these people have personalities. You know, it's not all boring numbers. It's not all you're staring at a couple of charts. There were some really good presentations. There was one that I thought was very accessible to to most people, whether you're a beginner, whether you're somebody who is more immersed in hockey analytics. And it was by uh, a blogging cohort of mine. Daniel Wagner from Pass It to Bulis did a presentation on the value of narratives and why narratives are still important in our storytelling process. And I thought that was fascinating, and it took a lot of courage to have that type of a presentation in an analytics conference. And I think that his presentation was more about the ways that we have to tell better stories with the data available to us. You're trying to do that, you're trying to do that on a daily slash weekly basis uh, with hourly. platforms, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> hourly, at the... At the CanucksArmy.com, as we know, and Athletic Vancouver. Tell us what you have coming up. Well, I, I just put out an article today about uh, a lesser-known prospect, and he's somebody who I think Canucks fans should really get acquainted with, and that would be Alexis Daou from the Utica Comets. He's an undrafted player out of the CHL, had a full five years with the Shawinigan Cataracts, led his team in scoring two years ago. Injuries cut his last season short, but he's still going on. I mean, the Canucks have had him for three development camps, two prospect tournaments in Penticton. This was the year that they took the plunge they finally signed him to a contract an ahl deal and in my article i look at why he's deserving of an nhl contract that's on the athletic correct yep. and so canucks 
CanucksArmy.com has already I, draft previews. Yes, that's right. I actually just put out an article today, too, on CanucksArmy.com because I, I, I don't like sleep, apparently. This one was on Cole Candela, somebody who the Canucks are going to have to decide whether they want to sign him to an NHL contract. His rights are running out this summer, drafted in the 2016 draft, fifth round. I'm not sure that I would sign him to a contract, but there's a lot of information there, draft analytics, prospect analytics, really cool stuff that you might not find in most publications. As far as our poll question goes on tsn1040.ca, thanks for weighing in. Which player needs to be a lock on the Canucks roster next year? Patterson, Gaudette, Goldobin, Archibald. Overwhelming response. 53% saying Elias Patterson must be a lock for the Vancouver Canucks. Gaudette coming in at 23%. Darren Archibald at 20 Did you think there'd be a day where more people voted for Archibald to play next year than Goldobin? But that is the case. Only 5% saying Goldobin should be on next year's uh, roster and uh, there's time where the Canucks were, will evaluate. It will continue perhaps tomorrow if Goldobin is in. Uh, lineups today at UBC suggest Goldobin might be out, but we'll have countdown to face-off for you tomorrow on TSN 1040 at 5 o'clock. Canucks in Minnesota Wild. Uh, we mentioned what JD is up to. We'll be back together next week, Thursday. Yes, a pair of Thursdays for Nation Network Radio. It is Giants this week coming up with uh, Brooke Ward. They'll talk about Ty Ronning as well, who's just been absolutely fantastic for that hockey team signing with the New York Rangers earlier this week. On behalf of J.D. Burke, along with uh, Matt Baker, I'm John Abbott signing off for Nation Network Radio. Thanks to Shark Club and here on TSN 1040. Michael Russo was our first segment guest, getting us ready for the wild perspective. Boy, it could be a hungry wild team who are looking to secure a playoff spot, even if their fate means they meet Winnipeg. And so the Canucks, who have promised better, certainly sounds like they need to live up to those promises tomorrow night. Uh, also talking up and down the Canucks lineup. I mean, anything's in play. You can join us at one 876 1040 Email us live at TSN 1040. Text us at 104040. Our subway poll question on tsn1040.ca what player needs to be a lock in the Canucks lineup next year Patterson who has just set a new record in the SHL for points by a player that's under 20 years old 55 and counting Gaudette who is having one heck of a year in Northeastern Hobie Baker finalist Nikolai Goldobin who has fallen out of favor recently and Darren Archibald who has gone the other way He's starting to become slowly a fan favorite for the Vancouver Canucks. You can cast your vote at tsn1040.ca. J.D., you were just going over some of the players on expiring contracts, talking about Berchi maybe being the odd man out. Where do you fit Elias Pedersen in the lineup? You have to give him a spot next year. And we're all missing Brock Besser, including this man, Cam Davey, helping us put money on the board through the Canucks Army Initiative as well, and the creator of those beautiful flow t-shirts that are still for sale that I will be buying for some friends even back east. That's the impact that the t-shirts, the nickname with Cam Davey and Jason Botchford spark plugging that one with the flow and Brock Besser's hat on the league, hat on fan bases, friends in Ontario want flow t-shirts and cam joins us on the line now cam great initiatives are you surprised at how much the flow has taken off uh shocked absolutely i uh, when i originally started to get the these shirts for sale 
I kind of had a goal in my mind that, oh, if we could sell 50 shirts, uh, that would be great. You know, we'll, we'll raise a few hundred bucks for, for this Canucks Money on the Board initiative that we, uh, that we started. And we sold 50 shirts in six hours. So after, after that, I, <laughs> I, had to, I had to change my perspective on how popular I thought these shirts were going to be. Yeah, and you know what? I think we owe uh, a certain Canucks Army writer, former writer, that is, and huge contributor to our social team, Grania Downey, a lot of... Uh, we owe her some props for coming up with that design and teaming up with you because, like like you were saying, it's just caught on like wildfire. Do you have any numbers? How many the flow shirts you've sold nationwide? Uh, we've sold over 650 shirts uh, wow. so far, and uh, we're, we're a hair under $12,000 raised for uh, Make-A-Wish BC and Yukon. Yeah, that's terrific. Let's, get, let's give that out again, because it's not just about capitalizing on a player that has uh, taken the league by storm. I mean, this, from day one, was a charity initiative. It was absolutely, and and uh, that was always the goal was was to raise money for for Make a Wish uh, for BC Yukon, and luckily, uh, like you said, Grania's design uh, certainly uh, hit the mark. I think that's part of it too, is that she just did such an amazing job with that design. The shirts look gorgeous, uh, and as a result, I, I I don't I don't think they would be nearly as popular uh, if it wasn't for charity. I think people take extra pride in wanting to go out of their way to get a shirt if they know it is for charity and especially not just buying one shirt people were buying multiple shirts multiple hoodies at a time uh brock himself bought four uh, which is pretty cool um but i think that people certainly went out of their way knowing that it was for charity and i guess the next question then is we're going to be doing a money on the board night for tomorrow night's game against the minnesota wild are you going to be running another you know another batch of these shirts can can john abbott buy one or two tomorrow yeah i'm going to need a few more we, uh, I, I don't have any plans as of yet. But the the good thing about the way that we have this set up, we I've, I've just been using Teespring as the as the vehicle for selling the shirts. Uh, I can I can spin them up on a moment's notice to be able to get some. Um, luckily, though, we've we've actually been um, we've actually hopefully have a plan coming out later, uh, which um, I can't share too much of it yet. But it'll be a means of being able to uh, buy the shirts in, in bigger quantities and, and a higher volume. But uh, for now, uh, whenever you know we I decide that we want to get some of these shirts out to the market again, I can I can turn on a flash sale and we can get them going again. So um, look for that in probably the next week or two. We'll I'll, I'll make an announcement and make sure that we can get some for sale. And and if we decide maybe to turn it on for tomorrow, then I might turn it on for tomorrow too. Yeah, what's the best way then to keep track of that, Cam? Uh, you have the hashtag right beside your Twitter handle as well at tinfoil two t u k u e. Is that the best way for people to keep up with you? Is there another direction you can point us to? Uh, well, we do, we do have the the post that we originally made. I think on on the Canucks Army site, we we got some mentions there. But I, I it's my prime directive to be to be tweeting about it and to be mentioning about it. So yeah, if you can follow me on Twitter, Tinfoil Duke, and and uh, I've got the link uh, for the sale, which is I think it's Teespring.com/slash/flashflow. Um, if if they do go on sale or when I when we get them back up on sale, that'll be the link to do. But uh, rest assured, I I uh, I'm not not very shy about spreading the spreading the word on Twitter, but that's for sure. You'll, you'll see about it. And a platform, obviously, that is uh, close to our hearts here in joint with us, CanucksArmy.com. You can go through and uh, find the information there as well. So, that's I mean, right. what a fun cause it's been, and I love the fact that 
everything Brock touches turns to gold, including the hair on his T-shirt, yep. as it turns out. <laughs> well, well, Cam, Absolutely. I guess the next question is, we're going to be doing a Money on the Board night tomorrow. For some of our listeners who weren't here or weren't listening the first time that we brought this to the table, what exactly is the Money on the Board platform, and how can people contribute to the Make-A-Wish Foundation BC UConn through Canucks Army Money on the Board? So this is a uh, it's a fun way to essentially to place a bet uh, on the Canucks and uh, for tomorrow night's game it, we we have certainly have some people that have pledged already it's a way of you know pled, making a pledge making a prop bet if you will whatever however you like to refer to it we've had some fe- folks that have been doing it all season long where they've been putting you know five dollars on a Canucks shutout and you know. Uh, a few bucks per point that Brock scores or that the Sedin score or every time the Canucks win, those types of things. Uh, so we've, had, we've certainly had people already this year have made some pledges uh, based on those types of prop bets. Uh, but for tomorrow night, we're doing it as sort of a, a one-night extravaganza, if you will, where we're hoping that a, a whole bunch of people will pony up, will make a prop bet uh, based on the outcome of whatever happens in tomorrow night's game. So whether it's, uh, you know, 50 bucks for a win or, you know, 20 bucks per point for a particular pay- player, whatever, you know, Pick your poison, whatever whatever prop that you like to make. Uh, that's how we're going to collect these these uh, these the, these pledges. And just like with the shirts, and just like we've done with the with the pledges in the past, every single dollar that we're collecting is going directly to Make a Wish BC Yukon. And just to give an example of one way that you can pledge, I think I've pledged two dollars a pop for each game that Brandon Sutter and Erica Branson have an above even Corsi. And I think I also have a dollar going in every time Troy Stetcher gets a point. Now with that in mind, what's more lucrative? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it's it's been a. I'm gonna have to make a couple pledges tomorrow night to make up for that one. Can you tell me what am I on the hook for so far? Like five bucks. Uh, but in all seriousness, what kind of drove you to to undertake this charity initiative? What's been the driving force behind this? I know this is something that's close and near or dear to you. Absolutely. So uh, ten years ago. Uh, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer and, and we were lucky enough through the process through BC Children's Hospital to go through some terrific treatment and, and she was has, has 10 years now has been free and clear of cancer which is wonderful but awesome. while we were while we were going through that we, my wife and I decided, well, we, we're going to, you know, life is pretty short as we can see by this. Um, we're going to book a, a trip to Disneyland uh, to do this. And we'd mentioned this to, to one of the nurses there that was, that was very kind to us the whole, the whole time we were at Children's Hospital, Suzanne. And, she's, and we said, well, we're going to be going to Disneyland in a, in a couple of months or we're planning this. And she said, oh, well, that must be for your, your wish. And we, we said, what are you talking about? She said, your make-a-wish. We had no idea what she was talking about. So she, the kind kind lady that she is, she dropped everything and got got us all hooked up. And we turned this sort of half-planned trip that we were starting and got on board with the folks at Make-A-Wish and got in touch with my, you know, we had this uh, whole dinner plan with my daughter. And she got to essentially lay out this entire trip of going uh, to Disneyland where she got to meet the Disney princesses. She was uh, five at the time uh, and got to meet Belle uh, from Beauty and the Beast. That was her big wish. So it was just an amazing experience to be able to do that. And and I've been fortunate enough since then to want to, to do fundraising 
for things like Children's Hospital and, and a few other initiatives, but it was certainly about time uh, to repay the amazing folks at Make-A-Wish and all of the wonderful things that they do for some incredibly uh, deserving and, and needy children uh, throughout our province and through the Yukon. So uh, it was a great time, a perfect time to, to want to kick up this initiative. And, and when I started talking about this with uh, JD, you know, just before the start of the season, you know, he was all on board with it, and, and I was quite happy to do the to do the work and get this uh, get this initiative kicked off. Cam Davy once again is joining us. Uh, you can Google his name or go to Tin Foil Tuke T U Q U E at the end. Uh, CanucksArmy.com has the money on the board link as well as it does to the Flow T-shirts. And uh, we thank you for putting so much. Uh, so much energy into the efforts here and obviously just hearing the backstory for those that didn't know uh, close to your heart so thanks for uh, such a fun project throughout the season and boy with 15 games left do we need some fun to focus on I think yeah. for the, the Vancouver Canucks and their fans and uh, the Brock the flow t-shirts uh, I'm sure are going to do well once you put those back out there so we wish you the best uh, finishing the season I'm sure we'll check in with you again thanks for being with us tonight on Nation Network Radio Cam appreciate it thanks guys Cam Davey joining us to update to his cause through the season. We have uh, one final segment to get to before Giants this week hits the air. So one last check at our poll question, and you can join us as well on the horn, 1-844-876-1040. Email live at tsn1040.ca. Still some reactions to get to, perhaps from the text message inbox at 104040 as well. John Abbott, J.D. Burke, Nation Network Radio, powered by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill. On the air, TSN 1040. The Beat the Depreciation event is on now at Eagle Ridge GM. Don't buy a new vehicle, leave the lot, and instantly take a 30% hit. Eagle Ridge has purchased hundreds of low-mileage 2016s and 17s, like the 2017 Kia Sorento all-wheel drive and fully loaded just $22,888. Now's the time to buy at Eagle Ridge GM, 2595 Barnett Highway, two blocks west of Coquitlam Center, and at EagleRidgeGM.com. Eagle Ridge GM saves you money. 